We were trying to save the world I was picking up the house Why don't you put it down? Come over Come over Welcome to Femidish, a podcast that seeks to explore the various intersections of food and feminism by sharing the stories of women from around the world and celebrating their unique abilities to nourish themselves and one another. I am your host tonight, Sandy, and I'm here with my co-host, Hope. Hi, Hope. Hey. And we are very excited tonight. Joining us are Nancy and Haley from the Greeks of Peaks Food Truck. They are current members of Fork Food Lab and have been running the food truck since 2017. Hey, ladies. Hey, how's it going? Great. So we are really excited to have you both here tonight. Um, what? Tell us Tell us what's going on for you tonight. How are you feeling? It's 1,000 degrees where we are right now. How are you doing tonight? Yeah. It's 1,000 degrees. We uh, we did a lot today getting ready to open our second truck and finally made it out to Peaks Island to cool off a little bit. And we are making some dinner and talking to you. And tell us who's speaking right now. Uh, this is Nancy. Okay, great. Let, let our listeners know who they're hearing from. Uh, so... Let's get right into it. Tell us about the Greeks of Peaks food truck. How did you get here? How, how did Greeks of Peaks, the Greeks of Peaks come about? Well, uh, I had always worked in food and food production and restaurants um, most of my life. Uh, I also grew up in a very food-centric family. And Greek food was always kind of central to our existence. So... Uh, After many different life ups and downs, I, well, we, Haley and I, we talked about me going back into the food industry, but we just didn't want the restaurant schedule, um, especially for me. We didn't want me coming home at three in the morning. We didn't want me dealing with chefs that were going to be intense, to say it nicely. Um, And so we thought for a while about it and a food truck seemed like a great option. And, you know, the Portland food scene had a few food trucks going already and it seemed like a good idea. So we went for it. We found a small truck up in Wyndham and we bought it that year and we've been doing it ever since. So what is the Greeks of Peaks? Um, because not all of our listeners are familiar with Maine. So what is Peaks? Um, right. And right. how did you come up with that name? Is that just like a, a cute rhyme or is there more to it? There's more to it. Uh, Peaks Island is a small island off the coast of Portland. It's about a 15 minute ferry boat ride right from downtown. Uh, my Greek family, when they came from Greece, they came from Chios, they were told that the main islands looked like the Greek islands. This was like back in the 1800s. So my great-grandfather made the drive from Pennsylvania to Maine in, you know, like his Model T Ford. It took like five days. And he came to Peaks Island and he uh, stayed in a cottage for a while. And the next summer he bought a house. And now our Greek family on Peaks Island, you know, three generations later, we have about seven homes out here. And 
it's it's big now. <laughs> so we we are the Greeks of Peaks. I mean, it's a huge family. Um, some of us live here full time. Some of us don't. A lot of people come here in the summer. And yeah, we just, we are the Greeks of Peaks. So are you saying that the islands in Portland and off of Maine, they're just like Greece? So like, we're good. I don't need to like go to Mykonos next summer. <laughs> <laughs> no, having been a few times, uh, they are not the same. Um, in the summer you can draw similarities you know just being by the ocean a lot more of like a rocky coastline but you know Greece is so it's it's arid it's desert uh, and it's very different from here but you know if you're trying to draw similarities to for a Greek person who just moved here yes maybe would probably be a good a good way in and I think that Every island is unique, but up being in a place that is so centered around the ocean, like that's what's key to being here. And I imagine that is what made Nancy's great grandparents feel at home here. That's great. That's really awesome. I'm going to take away from this that I've basically already been to Greece because I live in Portland and go to the islands. <laughs> I think that's exactly where it is. <laughs> I'm going to get takeout from the Greek's food truck and go sit on the shore and basically just be in Greece. It sounds great. It's going to be a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> now, are you, you both are from islands. Is that correct? Uh, so my family has homes here in Port, uh, on Peaks Island and Haley's family has homes on Shabig Island. And then they own a small island off the coast of Freeport. Wow. So like totally island ladies through and through. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I think that's how they knew that we'd be a good match. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is both, both of your backgrounds in food? I'd imagine you definitely have some awesome backgrounds when it comes to cooking and restaurants and all that. What's your background in food? Um, this is Haley and kind of like it was, convenient that I had worked in front of house in a couple different restaurants like while in while I was in college and then after college and then Nancy had always done the back of house cooking so when we started talking about starting our own food business together we just had these complementary skills and Nancy what's your background when it comes to food uh, well, I grew up cooking. I always wanted, even at a young age, I think, you know, the first time I can remember it, like, you know, a step stool at the kitchen being super small, trying to do like some sort of saute and, you know, combining every ingredient in the fridge. Um, and then I worked my way around Portland a little bit. I worked at almost every restaurant on Peaks Island, even as they've changed. I'd say my first job was at the Peaks Cafe. Uh, just, you know, slinging breakfast sandwiches. Uh, I've worked at the Inn on Peaks. Uh, I've worked at um, some iteration of the Island House, which is now the Portland Lobster Company. Um, and I've had various jobs in town too, but I've always done back of house. I I much prefer, I, I need to cook. So I've always worked in kitchens. So... I have a friend who was very interested at one point in like starting a food truck and I'm just gonna say it didn't work out. So I won't even mention who the friend was. This is not like an easy undertaking. Um, 
And although you both, you know, have worked in different food, food industries, um, it sounds like it was a little bit of a big leap to go from, you know, being an employee and, you know, getting to show up for your nine to five and leaving. And then you decide to start a food truck. So I imagine that you encountered all sorts of issues and maybe you didn't. And how did you end up at Pork Food Lab? Like, was there an issue that put you there or did you just start out right from working with them? Well, you know, when you're going through starting a food business and starting, especially one that's going to be mobile, you have to have a commercial kitchen. And unless you'd like to work out of a church basement or in the off hours of somebody else's kitchen, uh, fork was kind of the only option in town at the time. We looked at different options, but for the, you, you know, as a food, mobile food business, you do have to have a commercial kitchen uh, you know, where you store your cold storage, where you can get deliveries to, um, that has a dishwasher. All of those things are really important. So, and, and the city requires them. So Fork was a great option and we've been very happy there. I would say in terms of snags and issues that we've had, you know, they were, it was rocky in the beginning of just figuring out how to use the kitchen to do the product that we wanted. I remember the first day we were open, we were, we had opened up on the back shore of Peace Island and it was just me cooking everything and Haley working the front. And our ticket time was like 45 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people showed up too, but it took forever. You know, it's, it's really hard and it's not, you know, at the end of the day, not only do you have to drive home, you need to load your truck in and out. And then drive home. You know, it's like your first home is fork and your second home is home. Wow. So I think some people, um, like my friend <laughs> who wanted to start a food truck, think that a food truck is like a way to get into the restaurant industry to serve food to people, to, to be able to cook for people and also avoid paying rent um, for a large commercial kitchen space. But what you're saying is that's actually unavoidable, at least here in Maine, the way the, the laws are set up is that you need a commercial licensed kitchen. Um, so Fork is really filling like a niche role that sounds like it's needed by the food truck community or, um, you know, for more food trucks to exist in this area. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to the whole of Maine. Uh, it's town by town. I'm sure that you can, I mean, I know that you can get your food truck certified as your commercial kitchen. You can have your own kitchen, your house certified as your commercial kitchen. Uh, here in Portland, it is a requirement unless you get your truck certified as a commercial kitchen. So it's, a, it's, 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 it is definitely filling a need for so many people. And I mean, we absolutely love that it's an option. You know, I mean, when you think about a restaurant, just even being there for deliveries and waiting on, you know, your produce to come in or unless you're going to go out and buy it every single day, it's incredible to have a staff there that just will put it on your shelf for you that does, you know, really, especially now with COVID does really intense cleaning. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful. Kayla, what do you think? I think also beyond that, we were lucky to just find Fork and just kind of picked it because it was convenient, but also we've developed so many relationships with other food producers that we never would have. Like now we have partnered with this ice cream company where uh, they started out of Fork. They've since moved elsewhere. 
but we have kind of created this baklava ice cream that's become so popular this summer. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And so to be able to partner with all these different producers and food trucks or not food trucks has been really nice. That's so fun. That's like such a cool vibe. It seems like to be able to go there and you're making your product and you're getting to do all the things that you need at fork, but you also get to have these creative moments too. There's an ice cream maker, you know, you specialize in Greek food. They're like, how can we do something together? Like that just seems like people were like-minded, you know, around food, around uh, local product, quality product, um, just being creative together. That seems, that seems really cool. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really wonderful community of people. Wow. Uh, so tell us what food truck life is like. You know, I, I always thought it was so funny, like how we can have a business that moves every single day. Like usually it's like, okay, I'm going to go to this restaurant because I know where it is. I know what time it's going to be there. And I know like you're going to a restaurant, but food trucks are just inherently not like that. You know, you're, you're a different place all the time. So what's what's life like as a, as a, a food truck, food truck life? It is busy. It is long and difficult. Uh, I will say this year is totally different. You know, I could tell you a story from last year, but it would be completely different for how it is now. Sure. Uh, food truck life is all the time. I mean, as any restaurant is, uh, it's, I'd say, we, you know, we get to make our own schedule and we don't have to adhere to the strict hours of a restaurant because people if they want to find us, they have to look for us, which is really lovely. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot of picking things up and putting them down again. You are stepping in and out of the vans. It's very it's very labor-intensive work. It's also not climate-controlled. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hot in there. And it's, yeah, it's very difficult on your body, I would say. How do you decide where to go each day? This might be like everyone who probably like knows more about food trucks is like rolling their eyes at like lame questions, but like <laughs> some of those logistics, like how do you just get up? You just like feel like, oh, I feel like going to be like by the ocean today. Or I feel like we're by the lake today. Like, how do you figure out where to go and how to advertise to let people know where you're going? A lot of food trucks, especially in Portland, have always done like the hustle where they go to a spot on the street and they just try to advertise that they're there. But we, for various reasons, we're never interested in doing that. So we've really tried to to develop relationships with different businesses that want food trucks to be there, and that's pretty much exclusively what we do. I call it that we come when we're called. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. So do you guys have a pretty big social media then following to let people know? Also, in addition to that, I think um, we were lucky. This is Haley. Because I, before we started the food truck, worked in the beer industry in Portland. And the beer industry is, like, fantastic here. People come from all over the country for it. Totally. So we already could, we were already asked to be at at great breweries. So that really helped. So you can get some, like, cross um, advertising there, too. Like, if they say, like, if they're a really popular brewery, like, hey, we have the Greeks of Peaks truck coming today, then it's like, you can advertise yourself, and then they'll also advertise you. Exactly. It's it, it's always better to be, you know, advertising from two sides, and when you're with other food trucks, too, it's great, because they're throwing out 
to their population and we're throwing out to our population and it gets, you know, a, a significant more, uh, it, it brings in a lot more people. Yeah. It seems like a very good symbiotic relationship. Like obviously the breweries would want there to be some snacks and stuff for people to food for them to eat while they're there. So then they stay at the brewery longer and it makes the brewery a more fun place to be. And, um, you know, you get that same, that cross advertising and as long as the food truck isn't another like Greek food truck, it doesn't seem like there'd be too much competition. Right. Right. Yeah. There's uh, you know, there's, I think two other places in town that have Greek food exclusively. There's other places like diners and such, but, um, and I think what we do is a little bit unique, um, from other traditional food, Greek food trucks. Um, you know, when we say what we're doing is more of a, a country style, like basically my family recipes, it is not, you know, when you eat one of our euros, it's not going to be something that you're going to get, uh, on the streets of Athens or really anywhere in Greece. It's, it's much more of like a whole foods souvlaki sandwich. And it's, um, you know, and, and competition is good. I think it, it allows people to keep trying to do their best and keep coming up with new ideas. So you mentioned your baklava ice cream and you mentioned maybe some of the differences from some of your competitors in town that might not be trucks, but um, also serve Greek food. And, you know, in my head, I cannot stop thinking about baklava ice cream in part just because that sounds amazing. Um, but also I've, I've had this ongoing argument with a classmate of mine in culinary school that went on for probably the entire time we were enrolled about the origins of baklava. And I always argued that it was a Greek, it was from Greece. It was a Greek dessert. <laughs> and I think you always argued that it was Turkish or something. I've since looked it up and it's actually Roman in origins, predates both those uh, times. But um, what are some other foods that you serve that are, like what makes it amazing Greek food? Give me some more. I want to drool over something else besides baklava ice cream. <laughs> So we have a gyro on the menu, of course, but it's not like a gyro that anybody I would, that I have ever had or that pretty much anybody who tries it has ever had. Nancy mentioned it's more like a souvlaki sandwich. So what we do is we take the different proteins that we serve and we cube it and we marinate it in Nancy's family marinade recipe which is olive oil based. It's a souvlaki basically. And so instead of doing like a cone of meat that rotates and that we shave, we actually skewer it and we grill it. And then that protein goes into the gyro. Wow. And then the gyro has fresh vegetables. It has two different sauces. It has um, a special type of feta that is not cow feta and not footy and not traditional. Uh, so it's a really different sandwich. And I mean, we've gotten nothing but positive feedback. Occasionally, I will say there is somebody that comes to the truck and is like, don't you dare put vegetables or lettuce on my sandwich. Why don't you have French fries? You know, all of that. But we, you know, we just say, please just give it a try. You know, it's, it's every family is different. And, you know, people from the Mediterranean and the Middle East, you know, it, they don't, Unless you're getting it at like a street meat counter, it's not, it's that's the only homogenized version of it. And that was going to be my next question: is how much you mentioned that um, the the marinade or the rub is 
is a family recipe, how much of it is really inspired by the food that your family ate and how much of it is like your own twist or a modern twist? Um, all of it is inspired by my family or their direct recipes. My Yaya, my, my grandma, she, it's her salad dressing and it's exactly how she made it. And it has to taste exactly how she made it. I wouldn't serve it if it didn't, which is one of the reasons I don't make baklava. I won't serve it. I can't make it the right way yet. And I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to put that on the truck until I can do it right. And the marinade is papu's. Um, and we, I mean, but we do, we do like to have fun with it. You know, like we make spanakopitas, yayas. Or, and papus, and then we we like to change it up a bit and make it a little bit more our take on it. Like we do a lobster spanakopita triangle where we mix the same ratios of cheese and spice, but we put lobster into the filo dough wrapping instead of spinach. Or we go by what is fresh and coming off the farms that week. You know, like we'll do mushrooms in the fall or garlic scapes in the spring or ramps in early spring. And, you know, we, we try to make it like main main focus and still keep the traditional aspect there. That sounds really delicious. I love the idea of having the, the main connection to, you know, bringing some of the, um, you know, connection of where you are to the his like, you know, your, um, your family history. I, I, you know, I don't really know a lot. Like I'm thinking about Greek food and I'm thinking about, you know, Spanakopita and um, uh, souvlaki and some of the things that I've heard and seen, but, you know, it, it's, it would be some, some cuisines for me would be much more recognizable, like Indian cuisines, you know, with like curries and cumin and coriander, like some of those are more like a, very much associated with that culture. And, um, you know, different like Asian cultures are very like fish and rice, you know, traditionally. And um, is there something in a way that you would describe Greek food, like certain spices, certain types of food, things that you wouldn't really have in Greek food? Um, can you give us a little bit of context for what kinds of food Greek food is? Yes. Um, you know, olives, olive oil, rosemary, basil, you see it growing everywhere when you're there. Lemon, I would say lemon is like quintessential. Um, lamb um, is also like, when people think about it here, at least lamb is central to Greek cooking. Uh, sometimes when you're there, it's definitely more goat or beef based or uh, so much pork. Oh my gosh, it's pork is everywhere. Uh, we, in, I mean, in, in my family growing up here in the United States, lamb was always the center dish of any family gathering. And it was always prepared the same way, like Greek Christmas, Greek Easter, Greek Thanksgiving. All of those things were built around lamb. Yum. Yum. All right. Thanks. Thanks for that. I think there's, um, some, yeah, I wouldn't have known specifically what like, okay, like this is a, you know, very traditional Greek spice or this, oh, yeah, this is totally Greek food. So um, that's, that's cool to think about. Um, as you, so, you know, both of you, you've been running this food truck for a couple of years now, um, 2017. So still probably relatively new, um, but, you know, you definitely got your feet under your fear a little bit. Can you think of any, like, you know, we're here to talk about on Femidish uh, food and feminism. So women's connection with food. Um, is there any connections that you can think of, um, like specifically being women that have maybe been challenges or barriers or, um, you know, something that really you, that you think has a connection to the work that you've done because you're both women? It's a difficult industry. And 
being able to find your place as a woman in the kitchen and a woman chef and to be taken seriously is difficult. And I think that's a lot of women in this industry's um, perspective. Uh, you have to work harder. You have to really kill yourself to get ahead. And we just wanted to love cooking and enjoy spending time with food and community. And the reason we started the food truck was so that we didn't have to do the pressure and the competition. And it's, you know, we just found it too toxic for how we wanted to live. Before Nancy, I worked with exclusively male chefs and there, there was so much ego that just detracted from the quality at the end of the day, which is kind of ironic, but that's how it was. And it's just so nice to be, to work for a chef like Nancy, who is willing to listen to opinions and to, I don't know, to like not just have this intense ego behind her. She knows that her food is good because it's her family's food and everybody loves it. I think that has definitely been uh, a common sentiment on this podcast when it comes to you know, male run kitchens and, uh, you know, industry, just the whole industry as a whole, you know, what, how it's been really commercialized and, um, you know, it's all, it's profit and celebrity and some of these things and how those can, you know, un unfortunately be some, some male traits or what, you know, being part of this, the patriarchal system that we're in. So I think that there's a lot of women that have come on that would really agree with that. Um, I personally haven't really worked um, under many men in kitchens when I, um, which I think is kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it. The few restaurants that I worked in have been um, with, that have been, have been female run in kitchens and front of the house. That's kind of funny that I think about it out loud. Um, but definitely, and I know Hope, you might have some thoughts about this too from your work in kitchens, but it's uh, definitely that sentiment has been shared on this podcast before for sure. Yeah, I've never worked, uh I've never worked under a woman chef with the exception of one sous chef and I was the tournaut. So she was like one step above me in the traditional French brigade system, but I didn't work the same shifts as her ever. Um, I do have to say though, that when once when I was the chef in a kitchen, um, we had like a walkie talkie system. It was a very large place. And when I like called over the walkie talkie um, for one of the, barbacks actually to come and help me it was kind of like a crisis situation um later in the evening when things died down i actually like pulled him aside and was like hey i'm really sorry i yelled at you over the walkie-talkie like that just wasn't cool of me like i you know i shouldn't have done that where everyone could hear it and he was like that was yelling he's like you're so much nicer than all the guys chefs. <laughs> um, it was like it's so offensive that i called him out like on air where all the other staff could hear him you know um so that's just i I think you're right. Is it's just the egotistical, the intensity in in a non-passionate way, but just like in an angry kind of. It's like a it's like a prove way. your it's like prove your worth by how much abuse you can take sometimes. And yeah, and I will say, I will say I work with some incredible male chefs who are very interested in like sharing their knowledge and being a community. It's been. I've had really good experiences. I've also, I mean, and 
majority, I, I, the majority of places that I worked on the island were actually female owned businesses. And I knew that moving back into cooking in town, I would have to kind of get back into, you know, a, a more of like a line and, you know, move forward in my career as a chef and not necessarily pick and choose where I wanted to work and who I wanted to work for. It was going to be more of a, this is a place that I can do this and they will have me. And then, you know, if you can't, if you can't choose, then that's when you end up in those kind of situations. Yeah. Now I'm curious, Sandy, you, um, as well as Nancy here are both from Maine. So you're Maine locals and both of you have said, um, that at least in your experiences, you've worked at a lot of places with female run kitchens and female owners. Um, do we have like a huge portion of women owned restaurants and um, women run kitchens here in Maine that would be like disproportionate? Cause I'm not from Maine. So I didn't work the restaurant scene here. Um, I'm just curious. Hmm. This is I mean, that's my experience. I mean, I think almost every restaurant on Peaks Island is, except for like the Inn on Peaks, is women-owned or women-run or women-chefs. I mean, every single business. Um, and I know that there are a few in town and some of the more prominent restaurants in the state are women-owned or women-chefs. I don't know the numbers. We, we need to dig into this, yeah. Sandy, to something. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question because it, it's true. I Either they were solely women owned or like at least women uh like the business was and the the way the kitchen was run or they were part of a a couple um and sometimes that would be like the you know woman was front of the house and the man was back of the house or sometimes that was even vice versa um or sometimes it was just like you know solely uh solely just the woman who was just owning the business and then the kitchens were run you know by various people um so I don't, that would be really, that'd be really interesting to know. Cause Nancy, I think you're right. I think that's a real, it's a big growing number for sure of own businesses and um, run kitchens that are by women. Um, but that makes me think of something else. You know, we're talking about like work environments and, you know, working together really nicely and stuff. Um, what about working together as a couple? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, not, not, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone to work mm -hmm. with their significant other all the time. <laughs> Um, has that, you know, it sounds like it's been great for you guys. Has, how has that been working together? I would say that was another reason that we did this as well. We were tired of having completely different schedules. I was a teacher, uh, before and Haley was working in the brewing industry and we would just come home on different wavelengths and from different jobs and have, t we had just like the totally separate frame of minds um not all the time we're pretty in sync but we we were like you know if we can do this where we can work together we don't like to spend time apart and we have complementary skills and it'll work it will work better if we're together and doing it together so yeah we talked about our complementary skills earlier but um it, we really couldn't do this without each other that would, it would be impossible do you want to add anything I also, we just like genuinely love being with each other. And I can't really imagine now not working together. That's really sweet. 
<laughs> Although we can't see you guys, so I'm I'm picturing like you know if we were able to see you, like we were doing this on video, one of you would be behind the other one with like doing like a no way kind of face, you know? <laughs> no, no you we're actually no. We, we spent about two and a half hours apart today, and that was awful. I was like, I can't wait to get home to Nancy. Even though we have been 24 hours a day together. And no, you might be the only other couple I've ever met that spends that much time together. We've had like people, my husband and I have had people comment that like, do you guys ever do anything more? Yeah. I actually am just realizing now that my parents, my dad and my mom ran a business together too. And they similarly like really just love being together. That's really cool. That That's neat that if your parents also did that as a couple in a relationship with a business and now you're doing that same thing too, you've got, probably had a very good model to look at. Yeah, I didn't really realize it until now, but it's, it's definitely true. It kind of that's works. Cool. It works really well in a small business too, because, you know, if, if the dynamic of your relationship is already set and you can trust and rely on that person for like meeting your your needs and the needs of the business then I mean it can be really complimentary and you know we now three years in know what you know Haley's very much in charge of and what I'm very much in charge of and sometimes you know we can take things off each other's plates and it works really well to be able to see it as like a whole but also as part of our relationship. Now, you guys talk quite a bit about your skills individually and how they complement one another and also about um, how Fork really filled this need to have a certified commercial kitchen um, without having to get your own truck certified. So what I'm curious about is do you have advice for other women or men who are thinking about getting into the food truck business um, and also for people who might be thinking of joining Fork Food Lab? I would say in terms of food trucks, Try to get a shift on one first, you know, maybe just like even just one time just to see the full day from, you know, or or two days, you know, see the prep schedule, see the load in, see the work of, you know, being somewhere for two hours and doing 80 covers and then the breakdown and the run back and then the switch, you know, there's so it can be really fast paced and really intense. And I think a lot of chefs, do thrive on that. But especially if you think that you're going to do it alone or you're going to just do it with a business partner, you need to really break it all down and think about each person's abilities and how much is going to go into it and how much time you're going to have to spend. Um, then in terms of fork, I would say fork is, you know, fork is a, like a lifesaver in terms of making your small business better, more complete, um, supporting you. Uh, What do you think? I think Fork, I don't think we'd be able to do it without Fork. They work so hard for us. They're so supportive. It's like like we already touched on, it's such a great community. And I think in terms of any advice to a potential food truck owner. Um, I think what works really well for us and what seems to work for a lot of other food trucks is to 
design your menu so that there's a lot of um, ingredients that like cross amongst dishes. Oh, right. Space. We haven't even talked about space. Space is really <laughs> hard on a food truck. You don't have your walk-in right there to go grab what you need. So you need to really be intentional about that. It's really important to know, you know, you've got one small fridge, maybe, maybe two, that is part of your cold side sandwich unit. It, it, traditionally, some people, you know, get big food trucks, very fancy, but like, you know, you're starting out, you have a cold side, you have just that space of everything you're loading on, maybe some coolers outside, and then you've got your six pans up top and that's it. That's your space. And you have to make it work with three people and, and whatever you can bring. Those are really interesting considerations that, yeah, you wouldn't probably until you're trying to execute it. You'd be like, oh, wait, I don't have all that space that I thought I did. Shoot, how am I going to do that? Uh, do you ladies ever have any, uh, you know, dreams of having a brick and mortar at all? Is this is the truck like a stepping stone or is this the is this the end? I mean, we've definitely talked about it a few times, but it just seems so I mean, not that a food truck isn't intense, but it just seems so, like it ties you down so hard. It's, you know, 365, 24-7. You are, you're living and breathing that restaurant, um, especially as a small business and, a, you know, um, without investors. You know, it's your baby. And we really love being open six months and then traveling. <laughs> Yeah, we really love being able to like fix our own hours and being like, here's our two hour shift here and here's our four hour shift there. And we do it three times a week or we do it four times a week. And we have a policy that we always go to any wedding we're invited to. So to be able to say we're going to be closed for weekends, a summer is really nice. But you don't mean any wedding you're invited to as like a food truck catering. You mean like as an actor? As, a, as friends or, or relatives or whatever. We'd and you're sure they're not just inviting you, like, thinking you're going to bring the truck with you? <laughs> that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> That's cool. What about uh, plans for the future? Do you have any um, grand plans for the Greeks of Peaks? What can we expect? Well, so we have our, our first truck is going to be, is our in-town truck. And we're currently building an island truck that's going to stay on Peace Island permanently. It is a truck that we bought on the island, which is really cool because, like, keeping it in the family. Uh, it was an old hardware truck that, like, it was from the hardware store. And they had, like, lots of hammers and saws. And we bought that last summer? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we bought that last summer. And we've been building it the last few months. So it should be ready to go any day now. Woo! That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, and I'm sure you guys are feeling a little bit relieved too. I feel like the food trucks have been a little less impacted or have had more um, pivoting options yeah. <laughs> um, during COVID. Um, do you have any final thoughts about, you know, life as a food truck and moving forward? And Yeah, I... Uh we've talked a lot about this. I mean, it's clearly a great business model for takeout, you know, uh, for delivery, for being in one place and people being able to safely walk up and get food and comfortably being able to get like come out and get food. Um, I also think it's 
you know, depending on what you're comfortable with in terms of how much money you need to make for your family, you can make this business a lot more about community and supporting your community and showing up for them. You know, when we started this year, we had all these cancellations and everything, and we started immediately delivering food to Peaks Island. It was our first, that was our first opening into COVID was we are going to make food and we're going to make sure that our community has access to, to food. I mean, not that they don't have, they have a grocery store, they have other options, but they don't have that many options. And finding your local community and the people that support you and the people you want to support has been our biggest takeaway from this, from this COVID situation. I think that's great. I think, you know, that we talk about it um, very briefly in our introduction, but, you know, a lot of what we're about is celebrating women's ability to nourish themselves and their communities. And um, so I just I love that as a nice little wrap up to this. Um, you are our first food truck owners, and it has been so great to have you on here. Um, why don't you give our listeners, um, some of which will be local to Maine and many who will not be some more information about where they could find you um, either in person so they could eat your food <laughs> or online. Well, we have a website. It's thegreeksofpeaks.com. And I will say it is not always 100% up to date because we don't know anymore where we're going to be all the time. So a much better place to find information about where we are is on Instagram. And that is also at thegreeksofpeaks. Awesome. Well, thank you both um, for joining us this evening. Uh, I, I, I will admit I have not had your food yet, and I'm really hoping I can find you sometime um, before the summer ends. And before we're going to track you down. Yeah, our only permanent in-town shift in Portland is at Austin Street every Sunday from noon to seven. Ooh. So, so Austin Street. Portland, Maine. <laughs> Hope, we haven't had one Femidish socially distant gathering. We need to take a Femidish road trip. And I think this sounds perfect. <laughs> there you go. Femidish and, on the road. And peak or Femidish on boat if you did yeah. want to come out to Peaks Island. Just take a there boat. Take a boat. You, can, can we expense this? Can we like put this on the company card? I mean, we yeah. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you again. And as always, thank you, Sandy. For our listeners, this has been an edition of our um, special mini series featuring Maker from Fork Food Lab here in Portland, Maine, where both Sandy and I are currently based. As always, this has been Femidish, F-E-M-I-D-I-S-H at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook, it's all the same. Um, so find us, find out more about our mission and stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. I was hanging out the towels. We were trying to save the world. I was picking up the house. Why don't you put it down?